With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Who is MVP? Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. MVP, because we've got uh, one month to go. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Your two front runners, the OGs. Rogers has an outstanding opportunity to go back to back. And the guy who's standing in his way. The Rich Eisen Show. is Tom friggin' Brady. Earlier on the show. Two-time Super Bowl champion, Chris Long. Coming up. ESPN Monday Night Football Analyst, Brian Greasy. Senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer. Actor and comedian, Bert Kreischer. And now... It's oh, yes. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. Bert Kreischer is making his way to the studio. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hang out with him in hour number three and have some laughs. I think we could all use one here these days, you know. So um, it, it, that'll be fun. Albert Breer is going to join us in 20 minutes' time from uh, the owners' meeting in, uh, in the Metroplex, where, among other items that they're talking about, no doubt, is the growing COVID-19 protocol um sit down list i guess would be one way to put it um you know that's approaching currently um over three over three figures of players coming on that i mean baker mayfield today was the latest in cleveland the coach is the latest in cleveland as well they've got a game coming up on saturday against the raiders and their next game is the following saturday christmas day against the packers so that puts everyone in a tight scheduling bind but of course there's also the player health and the coaching health and safety there's a lot happening so albert's going to be joining us in about 19 minutes time on that front just had a good first hour chat with chris long um about what he thinks is going down in uh in jacksonville and the rest of the national football league and talk about uh many of these pigskin subjects is a guy who uh, i have admired for quite some time not just because he brought a national championship to my alma mater in 97 but i enjoy listening to him and lewis riddick and steve levy is the voices of monday night football on espn fresh off a huge one uh last couple of weeks as a matter of fact uh is brian greasy here on the mercedes-benz vans phone line on the rich eisen show how you doing brian Good morning, Rich. Great to be with you. Right back at you, man. Uh, that that uh, Monday night game, what do you take out of that one, the one that we just saw between the Rams and the Cardinals, Brian? What do you, what do you, what's portable that we can apply to the last month of the season, do you think? With yeah, that I think uh, coming into the game, obviously what Sean McVay and, and the Rams were dealing with from the COVID standpoint of, of losing uh, five starters, uh, for that game, Jalen Ramsey, Havenstein, the, the offensive lineman, Higby, big, big contributors for the Rams, both sides of the football. And, and for them, you know, honestly, coming into the game, I was trying to figure out how, what is the recipe? How are they going to, 
to win this football game on the road against an Arizona team which had been hot. And I felt like the response from, from the Stars, from the Aaron Donalds, from the Von Miller, from Matthew Stafford, and what they were able to do with Cooper Cup throughout the course of the game, I think that this Rams team, which everybody was talking so much about, Super Bowl or bust, all in, OBJ, Von Miller, bring all the individual stars, and they were a collection of individual players, Hall of Fame-type players, but they really needed to find a way to play as a team. And that was the the theme for us throughout the course of the game, was watching them play as a team, complementary football, the things that aren't sexy, situational football. Um, And they won that game because of those reasons. Uh, Conversely, the Arizona Cardinals were not good in situational football and managing the clock late uh, and making the plays that they needed to make and turning the football over. So taking from that game, Rich, is the Rams are going to be there at the end. They're going to be in the hunt. Uh, for the NFC West potentially, uh, but certainly for for the wild card. And if they get in and Matthew Stafford continues to play at a high level and Sonny Michelle continues to play at a high level and they get Daryl Henderson back and they establish that physical run game and play action, uh, maybe they can compete in the NFC. That That's what I took away. Yeah, and then my question is, is how sustainable is that for – for the Rams, and and I, I think it is. And the guy who I think that makes it sustainable is Sony Michelle. And I know you were talking about it during the broadcast about the the uh, you know the running and his ability to to give the offense what they need, not just in yards and staying on schedule, but also the play action, everything that comes out of that. I asked that of Andrew Whitworth yesterday, and 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 he agreed that it, he he kind of gives them what C.J. Anderson did in their Super Bowl season of a few years ago, Brian, you know? Yeah, and, and an attitude, Rich, right? right? I mean, he, he came uh, he came from New England. He understands how to play the game. He has been coached well, and he understands how a physical run game can impact a team. Um, and, and I think that, you know, they lost Robert Woods about a month ago, and he, he was not just a great receiver, but he was the dog on that offense. He was – the competitive nature, he would not back down from anybody. He's the guy you want in the alley in a fight. Right. And they lost more than just a great wide receiver with Robert Woods. They lost an attitude and a competitiveness. And it's taken them a while uh, to kind of get back. And I think Sony Michelle brings a little bit of that. And, and if nothing else, um, to have that attitude in the huddle, uh, that belief, um, and obviously he's, he's a physical player, but I, I think that they were missing that. And, you know, the offensive line has gotten better. Um, they won on Monday night without two starters on the offensive line. Um, they lost, you know, one of their best uh, uh, playmakers, and Tyler Higby wasn't there, and they needed to, to rise up and, and to respond with their backs against the wall. And Sonny Michelle brought that attitude, I thought. Brian Greasy here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. And then you saw Patriots and Bills the week before. I mean, what a crazy game that was. Wild, to say the least. Um, <laughs> so you're the perfect person to ask about this, you know, about what to make of the Bills in their last four weeks of the season. Um, what ails them? What do you think needs to be fixed, even though their last quarter and a half in Tampa might have shown that they did finally catch a stride that they could ride, no doubt, to the playoffs? But what do you think – is the missing ingredient from this year's team that was maybe there last year? What do you got for me there? Yeah, I, you know, I think, uh, Rich, I think that we get um, 
you know, those of us that cover the NFL on a week-in and week-out basis, I think sometimes we get so caught up on a week-to-week and we try to find um, what a team is or the definition of a team on a week-in and week-out basis. Like this week, the Arizona Cardinals are dead, right? They got <laughs> There's something wrong with them, you know? They're 10-3, you know? Uh, we did that with the Rams. And I, and I think now we're experiencing that with the Buffalo Bills. And, um, and so, I, I listen, what happened – in Orchard Park against the New England Patriots, to me, that was an outlier. That was that that game was completely different. The 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 elements. I mean, standing on that field before the game, and I'm sitting there talking to Josh Allen, and the guy with the strongest arm in the National Football League, and I'm like, "Hey, bud, where can you throw it?" He's like, "Well, I really can only throw it to this southeast corner because everything else is moving." And I'm like, "Bud, you got the strongest arm in the league. You're telling me that's the only place you're comfortable throwing it?" And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I got it. Uh, I think that the weather mitigated what the Bills do well in that game, and it accentuated what the Patriots do well. And I think that's why they won that game. Okay. But in, in a in a dome, you know, it, that that game could have come out completely different. Um, then they have to follow up against against the Buccaneers, who you know I think is one of the hottest teams in the league, and 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 they. Listen, they could have easily won that game. I loved what they did in the second half. And you're not going to play four quarters of perfect, pristine football all the time. But do you have what it takes in the end, in the second half, the fourth quarter? Does your star in Josh Allen make the plays that he needs to make to win the game? And I felt like Josh Allen did that, laid it out all on the line, and they can move forward from that. And they just made the mistake of giving, you know, the best ever, you know, one more opportunity. Uh, but I, I, I'm not, I'm not down on the Bills. I think that they're going to regroup. I think that they have what they need. They have everything they need to compete uh, in the playoffs, and we'll see if they can use these last couple of weeks as a rallying cry. Now, you know, and so who do you take in the AFC? And uh, I'm looking at the list here. You've had the Ravens a couple of times, and you had them uh, when you know they were playing their best football all year. You had the Titans and Bills in Week Six. You saw the Chiefs against the Giants in Week 8. That was when they were beginning to make that turnaround defensively, and I know people were passing it off. It was just the Giants, but we've seen since then not an outlier. You had the Chargers beat the Raiders. That was so long ago Gruden was the coach. So, you know, you put it all together. Um, who, who, do you, who are you putting your marker on in the AFC, Brian Greasy, entering Week 15? What do you got for me? I think you got to look at the teams that are playing the best. Maybe who are, are not the best teams or the best rosters, but who's playing the best football. And right now, it's the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs are playing the best football. And um, and, and, and in the case we know about the Patriots, okay, we, we understand what's going on there. And and with a rookie quarterback, and when you get to the playoffs, um, you know everything's different. And and we don't know what we're going to get from a rookie quarterback. We know what we're going to get from. of the rest of that roster and that coaching staff and that team, we understand that. Um, But there is that that outlying question. Uh, With the Chiefs, you know, defensively what they have been able to do, and I know Chris Jones gets a little bit nicked up, but I I think what they've been able to do, and I give credit to Steve Spagnuolo, this is not the first time he's done this. Right. uh, Where he's gotten that defense uh, to play their best when when it requires their best towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. Um, So certainly I think – the Chiefs are right there. I'm concerned about Baltimore on a number of levels um, and what's going on there. Tennessee, I'm concerned about. In, in fact, you know that division. You look at who's playing the best. You could argue it's the Indianapolis Colts and and what they're doing right now. And I think that's a team to keep an eye out for. 
you mentioned the Chargers. Uh, I, I'm fired up about tomorrow night. I think what a great opportunity for, for that team and uh, for Justin Herbert, uh, who I think is playing some of his best football. So there's a lot of teams there, Rich. I, yep. I, I understand that. Um, I think that I think that probably the division with the most problems is the North, is the AFC North, and I can't put a finger on who's going to come out right. because I don't think that any of those teams are playing well right now. Brian Greasy here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's do this for the NFC, too. Um, you know, you, you, you had the Packers back in week two. I mean, that was when uh, Rodgers apparently didn't care about football because he got blown out in week one against New Orleans, and then we've seen differently. Uh, we've, you know, you saw the Bucks against the Giants week 11. Uh, Cowboys week three against the Eagles. That's so long ago. So what do you got? I mean, who do you have for me right now on the NFC? You've seen a few of these teams in person, but now that you're watching them play right now, what do you got for me uh, when it all comes down uh, going into week 15 on that front, Brian? Yeah, you know, I think it starts with, with the two OGs, the two guys that are in the MVP race. There's, there's no question about that. I think you know what you're going to get from the Packers and the Bucks, And so uh, I, I think those two are, are a given. Um, I think there's a lot of questions about the Cardinals. I'm not giving up on the Cardinals, but just watching them in person uh, Monday night, um, there, there are some issues that they have, I think, in their confidence level in, in the second half of games and finishing games and playing situational football and Kyler Murray protecting the ball. Um, they are explosive, and they are good on the defensive end. They didn't play well in the secondary uh, on Monday night, which I, I was hoping and anticipating them to play well under Vance Joseph, but but they didn't. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker, Marco Wilson, and I think they'll bounce back. So I, I think that they'll win the West. Um, you know, I, I think that the Rams will have a chance, like I said. The 49ers are a team that are, that are scary, that that is just so physical, um, and, and I think they find a way to, to sneak in. And I, don't, I know there's no team in the NFC that wants to face that run game. I agree. Uh, and as their defense continues to get better, George Kittle is so hot right now. Um, so I, I think that's a team that's going to be there. And then, you know, so everybody wants to know about the Dallas Cowboys. And, and I, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about what I've seen from Dak Prescott. Um, I believe that he has what it takes to, to take this team deep into the playoffs. But he's got to play better. And they got to play better around him. Um, and thankfully for him, you know, Michael Parsons and his defense Incredible. Uh, has been playing lights out. It's been really fun to watch them. I'm, I'm, you know, we have a flex in week 18 on Monday night. We'll have a doubleheader on Saturday. I'm hopeful maybe we get Dallas um, or, or maybe San Francisco. I know they play the Rams. That'll be a big game uh, in week 18. But it's going to come down to the very end. You know that, Rich. Yeah, I know that. That's for sure. Brian Greasy here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, with the time I'll have left for you here, what was Brady like in the quarterback room in 1997 for Michigan in that national championship year that you quarterbacked? What was he like back in that day, Brian? Well, he had long hair, Rich. <laughs> so did I, Brian. So did I. So did I. Yeah, his his hairstyle was not great back then. He's definitely he's definitely got that in shape now. Uh, you know, he was, uh, he was a joy to be around. He was a sponge, like, like you would imagine. He was a sponge. He wanted to absorb everything he possibly could. He was competitive. You know, he wanted mm-hmm. to be in my seat. You know, he wanted my job, and we yeah. competed for that position. And, um, and we competed hard, and both of us had to wait our turn uh, at Michigan. I think I was number six on the depth chart when I got there, and it was very similar for him. We had younger guys uh, ahead of us on the depth chart. 
he had to go through the whole Drew Henson saga. I, I, I had a very similar situation with Scott Dreisbach. Um, so we, we were uh, we were hardened and um, by those experiences, and and then we identified with each other because of that, because we had to fight and scratch and claw for every opportunity we got at Michigan. And and I was so happy when he got his chance and um, and watched him him play and. And I'm fired up, Rich, to watch the, uh, mm. the Orange Bowl in this oh, Georgia game. Tell me about um, it. I'm really excited and happy for those seniors. You know, the Aiden Hutchinsons and, and Kate McNamara and Haskins that, that came back, that they finally got the, the Big Ten championship. They finally got the Ohio State monkey off their back. And, and I'm so excited to watch that game against Georgia and proud of, uh, proud of the alma mater, Josh Gaddis, you know, winning the Broyles and, and Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator. You know, Mike McDonald, Rich. Yes, sir. Is a alumnus of Georgia. Uh, he was there uh, as a coach okay. as well from All 2010 right. to 13. So, you know, he's going to have something cooked up. I, I'm excited to watch those guys play. Yeah, and you could say Cade McNamara is kind of like, right? Like he had Milton in front of him. It was it was last year. It was kind of like, okay, let's let's try Cade. Right. You know what I mean? Like, let, yep. let's give him a whirl. And now what he's done this year. Also, I'm not saying McCarthy's like Drew Henson. Right. But he's got to come off the field every now and then. And and, and the, the other kid gets reps and that can't be easy. And there there are some similarities here. All I'm saying is Michigan's going to win it all. That's what I'm saying, Brian, you know, and I'm living my best <laughs> life, you know, and this is this is amazing. Uh, this is awesome. It's just been so great. Honestly. Well, I'm 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 fired up for you that you finally have something to crow about. And talk about. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you've been aware, crow. I don't think does uh, does justice what I have been doing here. <laughs> My guys here are shaking their heads yeah, on their set. I mean, they, they, no. they, honestly, I've yeah, been Brian. If you haven't seen any of the videos, it's much more than crowing. Oh my God! I wrote so many checks after you. Ohio State. It was so great. It was so great. Good you know? for you. Listen, all of the Michigan alumni have your back, Rich. You go right ahead. Yes, Brian Greasy. <laughs> That's a national champion saying that to yeah, me. True that. Fantastic. And I love watching uh, what you're doing too, Brian. Thanks for the time. Let's uh, let's chat down the road. Okay? Thank you. Okay, guys. You bet. That's Brian Greasy, everybody. Check him and uh, leaves and, and Lewis Riddick. Monday Night Football. Vikings-Bears. Big game for the Vikings. Big game for the Vikings. Uh, Harrison Smith's going to be on Friday's show in advance of that one. Nice. Of the Vikings, so we'll do that. Uh, let us take a break, and uh, and Albert Breer will join us next from the owners' meetings in Dallas. What is going on with the Browns, and will they play on Saturday? What's he hearing from the meeting rooms? He's stepping out right now to tell us the latest. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed it's that time of year people spring has sprung And that means spring cleaning, or at least 
The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Yeah, just like the Notre Dame <laughs> no, job. It's not like it. so. No, I'm just saying, Dion is coming for you from where he is. That's what I'm saying. 844 204 Rich number to dial. Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen Show from uh, Sports Illustrated, the MMQB, and uh, one, of our, one of our favorites joining us uh, from uh, the Metroplex, where the owners are meeting right now in the National Football League. How you doing, Albert? I'm great. I, it's, that's a really interesting conversation you guys are having on Dion. I'll say this, and, and I know money's coming into play and everything else, um, but I just think this is something I can add, and I think you'd probably echo this. Sure. The way, like when I was in NFL Network for six years, the way peop, the young players in the league, like, revere Dion. Gravitate. I, I, yes. I revere him. Like, and it was. I would walk in with that mic flag, and they would say, "Could you say hello to Prime for me? Could you tell me? Could could, could you could you could you make sure that he knows that I'm doing this because it's his net?" I mean, it was like it's unlike any. I mean, and 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 there are a lot of great players that were working there when we were there together, Rich, and and it was just it was unbelievable, like the gravitational pull that players had to Dion, and I think that's a huge part of what was playing out today, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's just. I mean, it's – and I don't know what it is because, like, these, it's amazing because, like, these kids now are too young to have actually seen him play. No doubt. Right? Like, yeah. No question. Because he's speaking their language now, though, Albert. He talks their language now. And if you're telling a kid who wants to make it to the NFL and that's the goal and Dion knows yeah. that's the goal, right, and who would you – certainly if you're a defensive back, who would you want to be coached by more? Right. <laughs> than this yeah. guy. You know, yeah. the, the crazy thing about this is, Albert – and Brockman knows this as well. The, the, the most surprised I am that Dion is coach of the year isn't the fact that he's achieved it, okay, at all. The most surprised I am is because this is a guy who, when we first started working together in the early aughts, would watch a football game, and when somebody did something stupid, he would cut scream, him. cut him at the screen. <laughs> cut him! You know? Like, before he got back to before the sideline. He, he said, before, he, said if before he got back to the sideline, I would cut him. Yeah. <laughs> Send him to the locker room. <laughs> you know, and that's a coach yeah. of the year now. Cut him! You know, or you got to be patient. you gotta, you got to cajole. you got to yeah. teach. This, that's, that's the most amazing thing, you know, about yeah. it to me. Yeah. It's crazy, and 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 I look like there's, I mean, with you know some of these walls being broken down, um, you know, there's no reason why he can't like, I mean, again, like you know, build the right sort of coaching staff and create partnerships because of the platform that he has, and you know, 
like give kids opportunities that maybe they can't get anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like at Jackson State, which is it's unbelievable and and good for him because yeah. um, this is definitely outside the box thinking, and it's not being kind of a prisoner to what the norms of college football have been. Um, and he found something clearly because you know that gravitational pull that we talked about the kids have to him personally is now you know absolutely in play in, in the case of the number one player in the country going to you know an FCS HBCU school. Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, the MMQB, uh, right here on the Rich Eisen Show from Sports Illustrated. What's going on uh, on the conversation about this Saturday game between the Raiders and the COVID nineteen ravaged Cleveland Browns organization? Yeah, I mean, I you know generally this meeting, this December meeting, um, you know, in Dallas, and it's here every year, um, is sort of an update on things like where are we going with the Super Bowl. It's setting things up for the the following year's off season, and obviously, like the happenstance that we're here, and you have the outbreak with the Rams um, on Monday and Tuesday. Now the outbreak with the Browns, Washington's got a rising number of cases too. I think it's brought this to the forefront and it's what everybody's been talking about over the last two days here. Um, you know, what I can tell you, Rich, like, and th- is that they're planning on going forward with the game on Saturday. And, you know, one of the issues that they're going to have now is that if they were to move it to like say Sunday or Monday, that probably wouldn't do any good because um, the overwhelming number of cases in the NFL this year, when guys test in, when guys like test positive, they're having problems testing out. Like, if you'll notice, if you go through all these cases, almost every one of um, the player cases, the staff cases, these people have sat out for the full 10 days because they keep testing positive, so they have to right. go through the full 10 days. So, like, you make the argument with the Browns, if that's the case with these 15 guys and maybe the number rises over the next couple of days, like, what sense is it to move the game to Monday or Tuesday when you're still within that 10-day window? So I think that they're going to go forward with the game as best they can. Um, and while that's going on here in Dallas, um, the officials from the league office basically informed you know, the owners and executives that they're discussing significant changes to the COVID-19 protocols with the union now. I think everybody's viewing this as an inflection point. Um, and you know, I, I think the, the feeling here is that it, it's, it's going to be difficult under the current circumstances to get from here to the middle of February and to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl um, under the current circumstances um, unaffected. So, like, I, 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 my, my sense is we, we will see some alterations to the COVID-19 protocol coming. Like what? I mean, for again, because yeah. you, know, you, you could test positive well after you, through sure. CDC rules and guidelines that everybody is – uh, uh, you know, uh, followed since the beginning of this pandemic, you could test positive long after you're no longer symptomatic right. or considered to be contagious. Um, you know, that's why many people who travel abroad are stuck there when they test positive yeah. uh, abroad because they're not allowed to leave the country or come back in until they're test negative for many spots around the world. So that's in place for somebody who might be vaccinated and has a false positive. So you get two negatives right. and now you get to play. Uh, but if you're if you're if you are actually positive, it's impossible sometimes to to right. to test twice in a row, which is why if this is for real with Baker Mayfield, a real positive, he's out for Saturday. That's right. going to be Case Keenum's gig. So what what changes are you referring to? Do you think with the so policy think, here? You know, I think there are three things that we can that we can look for. I'm not saying they're all going to happen, but they've all at least been discussed. 
Um, you know, the first one is the idea that they could cut down um, the they could cut down the the, the waiting periods. That ten day period, maybe they turn it to five days. Somehow altering that altering that 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 waiting period would be, I think, one piece of this that they're that they will and have already broached with the union. And all this stuff obviously needs to be discussed with the union. Um, the second thing is that they could go into enhanced protocols with all teams in the playoffs, which, um, you know, I think would require meeting virtually. Right. And this is something that they actually warn teams that this could happen. And maybe it happens before the playoffs, but uh, you're going back to even vaccinated players wearing masks around facilities and all that different stuff. So that's number two. And number three, and this to me is probably the most significant one if it were to happen because it would be, I think, a departure from where pro sports have been over the last year and a half, is that they could incentivize players getting the booster shot by saying to them, if you get the booster shot, we will no longer test you regularly as long as you're asymptomatic. And that's the one to me like that, you know, like I said, like it's a, it's a pretty, it'd be a pretty major you know, step in a different direction than the one they've been going in. But I think maybe a step towards this sort of resignation that this isn't going away and that everybody has to learn to live with it. And at least for the people who have the booster shot and have taken the steps to protect themselves and others, like they shouldn't have to miss work. Um, if you know, there's an asymptomatic, if, if, if they're asymptomatic, in other words, hmm. you're treating, you're treating symptoms. You're not searching for the virus. Um, and you know, like I know that sounds like, again, like a, uh, a pivot for them. And it is, but that's the way a lot of workplaces in America are right now. You know, Rich, like you look at like most workplaces, they're not testing people regularly. Got people get sick, you know, then there's contact tracing and the rest of it. Schools work that way. They're not testing kids regularly. Um, but, you know, when something comes up, they will test. And so um, I, that to me would be the most significant one is if they decide to create that incentive for players to get booster shots. And, of course, as I'm sure you guys read the other day, um, you know, in December 20, by December 27th, for staff to remain in tier one and tier two, they're actually going to have to, um, they're going to have to get booster shots. So that's that last part has to be negotiated with the union, but it could happen. All right. Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen show. Um, and there's another item um, that I think uh, I'd like to bring to the attention of fans. It's been in the hopper and I imagine uh, it's getting voted on or it's already been voted on um, that teams can virtually meet with candidates yep for a head coaching positions with two weeks left in the regular season. So normally a coach would be, you know, allowed to finish out a campaign. Um, and then that leads to, as referred to the, the black Monday, the day after the season where so many coaches get right. fired. Is it possible that we might see some interim head coaches uh, toot sweet because uh, leagues aren't going to be holding virtual meetings that can get out and, and, yeah. and and a coach that's already been sitting there hears that there's you know uh, an interview for a vacancy that hasn't occurred yet. Are we going to see some firings in the next couple of weeks? You think I just think right around Christmas? Po- I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I think December twenty seventh would be the day. Um, I think that's the Monday of of week sixteen. So um, yeah, I think that's certainly possible. Where you know if you're a team that's sitting there and you're saying we're going to fire him in two weeks, why don't we just get this process started? It could create a domino effect, and you know I think that's something certainly to consider here where let's just say for for argument's sake um you know like the the raiders they don't move on from rich Bisaccia, but they maybe like somehow make the announcement all right like he's he's not going to be the head coach going forward 
they start interviewing people, does that motivate, say, Chicago or Minnesota or someone else to, to, to move on for their coach? Because they could be saying to themselves, well, this other team is going to have a two-week head start on us, and they may have something like borderline wrapped up with a candidate that we may like by the time we get to the finish line of our season and we want to fire our coach. So I think it absolutely could become a competitive thing where one team that's planning on firing his coach decides to pull the trigger a couple weeks early so as not to fall, fall behind somebody else who's already pulled that trigger. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, the intention of it, of course, is to make the hiring process a little bit less rushed and, you know, give more candidates a chance to, to interview, um, you know, so like teams are able to make more thorough decisions rather than it being pure speed dating. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that that part of it's good, but, you know, I, I absolutely think there's a possibility that this does lead to teams pulling the trigger a little earlier than they would have planned otherwise. Albert Breer here on the Rich Eisen Show, and you just gave me a list of places where coaches might uh, be on the way out and franchises making a change. What, what's the situation with Jacksonville? right now at this owner's meeting that you can tell, yeah, Albert? You no, know, I, um, I still think it's TBD. Um, you know, I think Shad Khan's obviously been very, very uh, patient with coaches over the years. Uh, Gus Bradley got four years. Doug Marone got four years. Um, you know, and I think this has got to be something where Shad Khan takes the temperature of his building. And, you know, I think you go one of two ways. And I don't know that there's any other way to go. You either move on from Urban Meyer after this year or you decide that you're going to double down on him and that's going to have to include, like, changes on his staff and him bringing in guys that, like, that, that he can work with. Because clearly, you know, and Tom Pellisaro did a great job, you know, reporting that stuff out for you guys. Um, you know, like, I, I think it's pretty clear that that building – isn't walking in lockstep right now or else these sorts of stories don't get out. And I've heard some of this stuff too. Um, so like you either have to move on from urban and make that difficult decision and probably write some pretty big checks or you have to double down on urban and go and get guys that are, I guess, more in line with the way that he does things and give it another go in 2022. It's, like I said, I don't think any sort of final decision has been made on anything quite yet on it. But, um, you know, those two – just those two. I mean, if you had asked Shad Khan 10, 11 months ago, you know, what, what would your reaction be if these were your two options in December? Um, he probably wouldn't be very happy about that. No, of course not. Certainly with Trevor Lawrence, you know, hanging in the balance and his career and, and one of the greatest prospects that college has sent to the next level or the fact that Jacksonville had dropped – you know, um, in, in their laps, they earned, obviously, with their play last year. But, you know, you mentioned right there the way that Urban does things. That's doing a heavy lift right there because that assumes that yeah. it still works in the professional ranks because, you know, the stories that you hear about how he challenged his coaches and things like that is exactly the stuff that he would do at Ohio State. Yep. That's exactly the stuff that not, might be happening behind the scenes, and players, Buckeyes, would never dare – go across the field and chit-chat with, you know, Michigan yeah. or Penn Staters or Michigan Staters saying, you have no idea what's going on around here, right. like the, the Jaguars did with the Rams. That's the difference between college and professional ranks. So the question is, is what can he change his reaction to losing? Because the way that he reacted in the preseason and throughout this season yep. through the Tom Pelissero quotes, 
you can't do that in the NFL when you're going to lose sometimes more more than let's well, just say once every two years like he used to in college, right? I mean, I is that a fair quite, question? Quite honestly, yeah, I mean, quite honestly, it was the question I think coming into the year um, was is it going to is the way he does things going to translate and how is he going to handle losing? I mean, he's already lost two more games in Jacksonville than he did in seven years at Ohio State. And, you know, we've all seen, you know, and, and everybody's seen it, the way he reacts, you know, the way he reacted to losses at Florida, the way he reacted to losses at Ohio State. I mean, this is a very serious question. Like, can you handle, you know, uh, can you handle a league where, you know, if you go 11-6, and six, like, that's losing six times in a year, but that's a really good year. And if you're going and going to Jacksonville, that'd be a ten-win improvement. You know what I mean? Like, so I think that's been a fit. management of failure. I think was always going to be a big question, you know. And then I think like with this program, um, you know, like kind of being able to cross over to the pros. This is such an interesting thing because I think like so much of you know what he was able to do and the way he was able to get people to work um, at Ohio State was. Like it was, it was like testimony. It was, it was truth over testimony. You know, it was like if I, if you follow what I'm doing, we're going to win huge, and everybody's going to get rich, right? Like, so, like, can he push people the same way when maybe it's taking a little longer to get those results in the pros? I mean, I, I, you know, this as well as I do, Rich. It's a lot harder to push guys in the pros that way if you're not giving them immediate results because everybody's job is on the line every day of the week, and so. Um, that to me is going to be an interesting thing, you know, to follow here over the next couple of weeks, presuming he survives the week. Um, and like where that building is going forward, especially with such a, like just such a, I would say like there, 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 there had just, there should be urgency there to make sure that you've got your young quarterback in the right spot and mm. with the right people. And, you know, that leads to a bunch of big box questions that Shad Khan's got to answer. What's the sense there? What are people saying? I mean, again, that's again, this is a, a scuttlebutt uh, yeah. uh, industry that we're in. What is it walking around that building right there? That all that I hotel. Mean, uh, so, like, here's what, what's interesting is, I I think Urban has determined. I apologize for the wind coming here, Texas. Um, I, I like the, the sense that I've got is that Urban feels like there are a number of weak links on his coaching staff, and he's responsible for that because he hired those guys. Yeah, right. And generally, what he would do. Um, and his previous stops when, you know, that was there is, you know, he'd get guys in a room and he'd basically say, what have you done for me lately? What are you doing to make us better today? And he challenged guys. And in a way, it was the guys who knew maybe they weren't doing enough would feel uncomfortable. And eventually they'd get weeded out. And I'm not saying it's the right way to do things, but it took like a certain type of coach to survive in that environment. And quite frankly, Rich, your coaches probably aren't talking to the media the same way they do in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, so that's a piece of it too. And, um, you know, again, like it's just, you know, you, you look at where they are and like, I've heard they basically urban has basically left the defensive staff alone. Like they don't like, they don't have like, like there's not an issue there with him and the defensive coaches. They do their thing. He thinks they've done a good job. They've, they're left alone. I think like the questions are going are, are right there with that offensive staff, and you even wonder like you look at this right, and so you know does Daryl Bevel survive? Does Brian Schottenheimer survive? Do the position coaches survive? Especially when like his old offensive coordinator from Florida and Utah, Dan Mullen, is sitting out there maybe wanting to get in the NFL. So 
like I, I just like there's it's there's so much like there's so many big decisions that need to be made here. And again, like hanging in the balance is a generational quarterback prospect. The best quarterback prospect is Andrew Luck and a guy who has been held in that esteem, that Luck Elway Manning sort of category. Um, again, like it's just I think the question if you're shot is like do you trust that Urban is going to get it right with our young quarterback or do you say, I don't want to miss out on getting like a Josh McDaniels with, with, with Trevor Lawrence now. I, like, again, I can't say enough. Like, these are big box decisions for the owner of the Jaguars. And he's yeah. not used to having to make them this quickly because generally the issues in his organization, whether it was when Gus was the coach, when Doug was the coach, generally aren't this high profile and, ha- and, ha- and haven't been anywhere near this volatile. Nor, nor could he possibly lose a candidate to replace them um, during the season because you weren't allowed to talk to candidates during the season and other teams might get a head start on those folks. I mean, so the clock's ticking literally right now, not a month from right. now. Wow. I, believe they play, I believe they play Houston this week, right? Mm-hmm. The Jacksonville Jaguars? Right. Yeah, I think they do. Uh-huh. Houston? So wh- what happens if you lose like in a – in a big way to Houston, you know, oh my. Like, just, like week one, yeah, like week one. I think, yeah, yeah I mean, home. I think you have to like, I think they beyond just winning. Like, I think they have to show, like if I'm Shad Khan, like you're looking for real signs of life this week. That's what you, you want to see an engaged team. You want to see, see a team that's going out there with something to prove. I mean, if they look like if it sort of looks dead fish again, like it did last week, I mean, I think that, you know, obviously would bring in another set of questions. Albert, thanks for the call. Get out of the wind. Go get some more information. Greatly appreciate it. We'll chat soon. All right, thanks, Rich. That's Albert Breer, at Albert Breer on, uh, on Twitter. I follow him. You should as well from uh, the MMQB. He, a lot of food for thought right there, man. Let's take a break. I'll put a, a few uh, thoughts together on that when we come back as we get ready for Burt Crusher for crying out loud in studio. Don't you dare move. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is 
unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Burt Kreischer's here, folks, and I can't wait to bring him out here. He's and here. I know. That's what oh. I mean. He's literally he's here. literally in the building. So he's going to he's going to spend much of hour number three with us. Shirt Woo! is on at the moment. Sure, on. Okay. Oh, it's time. Oh. It's time. Um, so Albert Breer just joined us talking about the decision Shad Khan's going to have to make about Urban Meyer. And I, I, I want to lay it all out for what's in front of Shad. We don't know the financial aspect of it, except for the fact we could just assume it's one large check he would have to write. Yeah, what did Mike say earlier Meyer. this week that it's he in said the it's not nearly six to it, seven yeah, million, which is yeah. less than I thought it would have right. been. Well, right. this is before folks like Lincoln Riley making eleven, but and <laughs> Brian Kelly making. But I think 10. we all assumed it was in the eight to ten range when it's it's really not. Right. right. So at any rate. It's still anybody's guess, but the bottom line, it's still a large check for him yeah. to stroke, but the money's in the account. I mean, he can do it. The question is, does he want to make the move after Urban Meyer uh, was the hire he's always apparently wanted to make? And he made that was a coup of a hire for him and certainly for the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. So, and then you have to consider this too. What if Urban, you know, he did hire Daryl Bevel, uh, Brian Schottenheimer. What if he didn't want to, right? What if part of this was you're going to come here and we're going to give you, we're going to make sure that you hire the, you know, some uh, NFL people on your staff, right? Let's just throw it out there that he clearly had to say to hire these guys. But what if it was his idea was to bring all of his band of college merry men and run his college offense the way he wants it? And now there's NFL guys that are in there that those are the weak links he's referring to. And the NFL guys who are, again, I'm, I'm not saying they are, but if NFL coaches are bristling at being asked about their resumes and whether they're winners or not, um, I'm assuming it's the NFL men that are on this staff. What if he goes to Shad and says, "You gotta let me hire the guys I want this time. Give me, let me, let me go hire." As he mentioned, uh, Albert, the name of Dan Mullen, who's free after a dreadful season at Florida, and now he's hanging out on ESPN and breaking down all 22s and stuff. What if he can? Mullen wants to get in the NFL, back in the NFL, whatever, and back into coaching. And Urban's like, let me got, let me get this guy. I, I can do what you want for Trevor Lawrence. Let me get my guys in the room. I'm assuming, again, this is all assumptions. And you don't want to stroke this check, and you still believe in Urban despite everything that's gone on. And in your gut, you knew this is the right hire, and you want to do it. And you also don't want to stroke that check and then also start again in all this business. What if you're, you're, you're thinking that? And then comes the two of the worst teams in the NFL on your schedule, the Houston Texans at the New York Jets. Those are the next two for Jacksonville. What if you crap out here? What if Zach Wilson beats your guy, right? 
What if Davis Mills beats your guy? What if the Texans sweep you? Don't forget this whole business of Jacksonville not being as good as we had thought they could be started right out of the gate when the Texans beat the crap out of them in week one. And what if they sweep them? And what if they then lose to the Jets? And the next day, the 27th, as Albert just pointed out, is the first day of the newfangled window that opens up for all teams to be able to talk to another candidate for your head coaching position. And the only one currently with a head coaching position open is a team with an interim head coach in Vegas. What if Vegas starts talking to people that you're also thinking about when you might not buy Urban's plan to stick around with his guys? You're thinking, that could be the guy for my guy in Trevor Lawrence. What if I just go with NFL guys and this just doesn't work and I'm gone? What if I need to do that? What if the Vikings bounce Mike Zimmer because they lose this week to the Bears or they win and then they wind up losing the following week against the Rams at home? Entirely possible, right? And McDaniels is now available. And Eric Bieniemy is now available, just to name some guys that have been thrown. Leslie Frazier is now available to talk to. Right? You could always talk to Jim Caldwell, by the way. Everybody made fun of me when I'm like, why isn't this guy getting some run for the Lions to get back in there? Then you might, if you're the Vikings, you lose to the Packers on January 2nd. You could start talking to somebody right now. Let's do it. I got to get a jump on everybody. And suddenly you're Shad Khan and you're getting all the teams jumping on guys that you could get that maybe fits better for you and Trevor Lawrence and you're sick of all these headaches. You're sick of that phone call you got like, hey, did you see what's on Twitter and what's trending right now? Hmm. You're sick of the phone call of like, or the, the email of like somebody sending a link of Tom Pelissero's story to you and you're like, this didn't happen with Marone and Bradley. It stunk, but at least when we stunk, you know, it wasn't like this. That's what's coming down the pike for Shad Khan and Tony Khan and the rest of that group down there in Jacksonville. Next two weeks, pretty big in that regard. Because if they start winning, they beat the Texans and they beat the Jets, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, maybe we can do this. And, you, and you know, I'm sure Jaguar fans are like, but, but, but it's the Texans and the Jets. This thing is over. Don't you see everything in the papers? And don't you see everything? Or papers. Online? Well, you're not the one who's got to strip that check. And then look in the mirror and go, I th- man, I thought that hire was my guy. Yeah. That's all what's coming for Shad Khan, I think, in the next couple of weeks. Bert Kreischer, everybody. Maybe he should coach the Jaguars. That would be good. <laughs> Shirts off. <laughs> 